are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition. Powered by CRTV here on Westwood One, available via, via iTunes and Stitcher. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. We would love it if you let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We also just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. Let's give the audience a preview of what's coming up today at CRTV.com. Aaron. Yeah, uh, it was a uh, you know as as far as Mondays go, uh, it was a good it was a good show, uh, and just in general, it was a good show. I guess I should probably stop giving qualifiers. As far as you know, algae goes, it was really good. <laughs> Uh, especially, you've never had algae like this before. No, believe me. Uh, it, it, the the fake news or not segment, which continually is is kind of my favorite segment. Uh, two examples from the same person of not fake news. You'll never guess who it was. Good clickbait, Todd. If you are a conservative, whether professional or amateur, in terms of the movement, and you re- rely in any way on Twitter as a primary vehicle of what you're trying to accomplish. Which is most of us. You're losing. That's most of us. Actually. So it actually might be almost all of us, actually. So that's cheerful. Well, hey, you want to listen to that. You want to hear how we're all losers today at CRTV.com. I got to tell you guys, you guys can bring this, man. I mean, if I didn't already, if I if I wasn't already subscribing, I just would have subscribed off of your tease again, Todd. I just, I can't even remember what Todd's tease was. Exactly, like, that's like, how good it was. You were busy subscribing yeah. because of what he said. Immediately like, drove you right to the page. Like Aaron said, one heck of a Monday. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, there's a reason we're constantly crashing the servers at CRTV.com with all the subscription requests. I mean, when when you're getting the sorts of teases and tantalizes that we're throwing out there. I mean, that's ice to Eskimo stuff, brother. I mean, if th- when this whole thing blows up, which it won't because we're selling so many subs with that kind of uh, that kind of promotion that you just gave us, I'm I'm serious, man. Have you ever applied for a job at a car lot? I mean, I, I think I'm going to buy the underwall coating right now because of you, Todd. I mean, that was that was cash money, homie. I do what I can. I mean, the last time I saw someone sell it like this, I think the movie was called Fargo. Right? Didn't a couple guys end up in a wood chipper? Well, there was that part. Yeah, yeah. No, there was that part too. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address if you want to let us know what you think. And crtv.com promo code DACE is how you can take Todd up on his challenge to find out what the losers think. crtv.com promo code DACE. Last name is spelled D E A C E. But of course, all of you have subscribed by now, so you don't even, you don't even need the promo code but just in case one or two new people are are tuning in today there you have it and and speaking of subscriptions if you don't mind hitting that subscribe button there on itunes and stitcher 
wherever you're listening to us today on the podcast. The more of you do that helps us to keep this free uh, for you, the people. And thank you to those of you that have already done so. And please, if you haven't done so yet and you have the time, make today the day you send us that that four or five star review. And if you don't like the show, I mean, don't lie, but maybe just, you know, don't don't say anything. For those of you that actually do like the show, the more of those reviews we get, the more people that end up tuning in. So thank you. You're helping us get the word out and to grow the podcast here on Westwood One. All right, let's get to it on a Monday weekend news and views. More in-depth reaction and analysis to the headlines from over the weekend. Aaron, fire away. Yeah, we'll start with something that actually went down on Thursday, but just because of the day's group, uh, we we didn't have much time to cover it on uh, Friday. And that would be um, Atlantic, the Atlantic announcing on Thursday they terminated their relationship with Kevin Williamson. He was a conservative writer, uh, and he was hired just uh, last month. Apparently, progressives online, the horde, the angry mob, were so perturbed with some of Kevin Williams's, uh, Williamson's past tweets, specifically with regards to abortion. Uh, they said that his stance was too hardline. Apparently, in uh, some tweets from 2014, he said that uh, he thinks abortion should be considered premeditated murder and that uh, people who do abortions should be hung. Jeffrey Goldberg, he is the uh, main uh, head honcho at The Atlantic, uh, wrote this in an email. uh, Quote, last week I wrote you about our decision to hire Kevin Williamson. This is a staff email. In that note, I mentioned my belief that Kevin would represent an important addition to our roster of ideas, columnists, and I addressed the controversy surrounding some of his past tweeting and writing. I expressed my belief that no one's life work should be judged by an intemperate tweet and that such an episode should not necessarily stop someone from having a fruitful career at the Atlantic. Late yesterday afternoon, information came to our attention that has caused us to reconsider this relationship. (laughs) Specifically, the subject of one of Kevin's most controversial tweets was also a centerpiece of a podcast discussion in which Kevin explained his views on the subject of the death penalty and abortion. The language he used in the podcast and my conversations with him in recent days made it clear that the original tweet did, in fact, represent his carefully considered views. The tweet was not merely an impulsive, decontextualized, heat-of-the-moment post, as Kevin had explained it. Furthermore, the language used in the podcast was callous and violent. This runs contrary to the Atlantic's tradition of respectful, well-reasoned debate and to the values of our workplace. Now, conservative conservative tweetia... Well, I just made up a new I like new that. Word. Yeah. yeah. Tweetia. Is that our new that's, platform? That's good. Yeah. Tweetia. Conservative Tweetia. Boy, they came down on the Atlantic hard and fast, and there was no quarter given for Jeffrey Goldberg. And in fact, a staff writer for the Atlantic came out and said that uh, Kevin Williamson should not have been fired from the Atlantic. An Atlantic staff writer wrote a uh, dissenting piece for the Atlantic to try to save face. Uh, but this is yet another example of the conserv- uh, the I'm sorry, of the Twitter mob, the leftist Twitter mob coming after somebody for their own views and thin-skinned people in power having no ability to cope with it. Oh, I have several thoughts on this. Uh, first and foremost, whoever's the head of human resources there at the Atlantic ought to be fired. I mean, to, to just 
come upon the knowledge Kevin Williamson might actually be a conservative? I mean, how'd you let that one slip by your vetting process, right? I mean, I would have figured, you know, uh, they'd have done more of their homework than that. But I guess you can't expect people to investigate all the way back to 2014. Uh, the other thing about this that um, that I that I find curious is who is this? Who is the Twitter mob? Now, I'm going to be doing some more traveling for um, my job this week. You guys are filling in while I'm gone the next two days. I'm actually going to speak in uh, North Dakota, uh, the Family Policy Alliance of North Dakota. I'm heading to Fargo, hence the Fargo reference. Uh I'm heading there tomorrow. This weekend, I've actually got to go out to Vancouver, British Columbia for a conference. You know, so... I don't travel as much as this job would permit me to because I don't like to and I'm lazy. But I, I, I've traveled more than my share because this job requires me to. Man, I've had color-coded rapture chart guy literally come up to me with this color-coded rapture chart in the Charlotte airport. I've had hotel managers in Memphis, Tennessee recognize me from MSNBC. I, yeah, I'm not a big star or anything, but I've I've had more than my share of more more exposure than the average Iowan who's not, you know, like the governor of the state. Would you think that's a fair assumption? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Strangely enough, everywhere I've gone, I mean, I I even went to Haiti. No one has ever come up to me and said, "But hey, hey I, I'm I'm Pez Dispenser sixty nine me on Twitter. Uh, I I am I'm I'm part of the social media mob. How are you? I just want to introduce myself." No one's ever come up to me and said, yeah, you know, I just want you to know I was really, uh, I was tweeting that you should be shadow banned because I found your commentary very offensive. You ever met a member of the social media mob? Anybody? No. You know why you haven't met a member of the social media mob? Because there's two kinds of people that make up the social media mob. One of them is drowning in code red in their mom's basement right now waiting for another round of their tidy whities to make it out of the dryer. The other has actually been to Kiev. That's why you've never met a member of the social media mob. All right? They're either losers or the Russian bot social media program. This isn't real life. Less than one-third of Americans have a Twitter account. Less than, and even less than that, care. Even know what an Atlantic was, even know ever heard the name Kevin Williamson. That is exactly and have right. and don't give a rat's keister about Sean Hannity versus Jimmy Kimmel. Okay, this is another world. This is an alternative universe that simply doesn't exist to the vast majority of Americans, regardless of how they voted in the last election or whether they voted at all. At all. So any offense, sanctimony, it's all fake. WrestleMania was on last night. That's more real. That is less contrived than this entire story is. I promise you. However, what happened to Kevin Williamson, I've been through. After the 2012 Iowa caucuses, now we, the Democrats, of course, had Barack Obama running for re-election that year, so they didn't have an, a contest. And the Republicans had 
they're free for all. So we had the national media in our state for a solid year leading up to it. And after the circus left town, a few months after the 2012 Iowa caucuses, the op-ed page editor to the Des Moines Register called me out of the blue and asked me to go to lunch. Said he had a proposition for me. I said, okay. We sit down to lunch and he wants to offer me a gig to come on board the Des Moines Register as a full-time columnist. Now, this is a notoriously liberal paper. Notoriously liberal. Like other liberal media newspapers, because I do know a lot of people in the media. There's a lot of liberal media people who think the Des Moines Register is a hackneyed, douche-tastic joke. They're just... They're, they're considered a caricature of liberal media, by liberal media, seriously. All right? Um, so I was shocked that he asked me about coming on board as a columnist. I asked him why. He gave me three reasons. One, uh, I used to work at the paper. Years ago, I was a sports writer at the paper before I got into talk radio, so several of the people I worked with back then are still there. I I knew the culture of the paper, and so it wouldn't be bringing somebody out of left field. Two, I was very well known among Iowa conservatives. Three, um, he had watched me do several cable news interviews, including on MSNBC and CNN, and saw that I um, I was able to walk in his mind a fine line. In that I was able to actually be very right wing, without being a, without being douchastic about it. You know, usually in, in usually in our line of work, the the quote unquote conservatives that go on these channels aren't real conservatives, or um, in order to appease the platform that's giving them access, they end up after after time abandoning their conservatism. Is that pretty much what we've seen since the 2016 mm, election? By yes. the way, yeah. Um, he was he was fascinated that I could go on there and treat everybody very respectfully and not take it personally when they disagreed. And at the same time, I had these real right-wing opinions. Because to him, that was the wheelhouse. They were looking for real ideological diversity, but somebody who could play Iowa nice when needed to. I asked him, you know, you, you bring up my appearances on MSNBC. At that point in time, MSNBC was literally using Barack Obama's campaign branding in its own branding forward they were using barack obama's forward sloganeering as their own network brand that's how intertwined they were and i said to him i said why don't you just do what msnbc is doing why why don't because his complaint to me was they had just gone through an iowa caucus cycle and they were the largest newspaper in the state and they got no bump from it at all They, they didn't see a bump of subscriptions website traffic nothing and it's because they were known as too liberal of a paper, and in his words, Republicans in Iowa don't care what we think. That's exactly what he told me at this lunch. And he's right. They don't. I, but my response to him was, why don't you just go full-fledged MSNBC? Just don't even pretend to be objective. Just, you know, you, you're presenting a certain viewpoint. Be open and honest about it. And cater to your audience. And he told me, we can't do that. There's not enough liberals in Iowa. We go out of business doing that. We need somebody that would give conservatives at least two, three days a week a reason to read it. So I thought about it, took him up on his, I sent him a column. I wanted, I wanted an actual column suggest. I wanted him to see what I was going to do. And, and so I sent him the column I would write for my very first one in advance. 
so nobody would feel blindsided by what I was going to do. And the column, by the way, was actually a critique of our Republican governor who had broken his campaign promises to defund Planned Parenthood and was actually proposing budgets that spent about $200 million more than his Democratic predecessor. So my opening column wasn't even going after the left. It was actually going after, well, it was going after the left. It just happened to be the Republican left, okay? He loved it. Signed me to a memo of understanding. As we, we, it took a few weeks to negotiate the details, and then they, then they signed me. They put the promotion on the front page of the newspaper. Debuting this Sunday, new columnist Steve Dace on the front page. Sunday came and went. My column's not in the paper. I wait to see, is anybody going to say anything to me, call me? You know, one of my... One of my vices is I love to ask hacks questions I already know the answer to just to make them squirm. So I figured they were waiting for me to make some kind of a scene. I knew what was going on. I figured they were waiting for me to make some kind of a scene, attack them publicly, lose my poop. So they could they could say, they could come up with some ex post facto reverse engineered narrative of of and make it my fault that they chickened out. Oh no, no, no. Um, I actually can play four dimensional chess, so I knew what was going on. So I let it sit for several days. We get to the middle of the week. I call the chief editor. I go over the head of the op ed page editor. I go to the chief editor and I call him up. I'm like, hey man, you guys gonna run my column? And it was like I was talking to Bill Lumberg from Office Space. <sighs> yeah, uh, I got your TPC forms. That, that's what it was like, that kind of voice. I think you worked for this guy, didn't you? I know him all. So you, am, am I, is this an unfair characterization? Unfortunately, concerning this particular dialogue, I think you're going to nail it. On okay, because you were working there when this was going on, right? You were working oh, there. I was still? a fly on the wall yeah. talking to. You were the religion editor. They wouldn't actually let write about religion, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I tried to for like a month, and then they said, we don't want you to be our religion editor anymore. <laughs> so um, I'm like, so you guys going to run the column? What's going on? He goes, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was like Gary Cole in Office Space, dude. It was like I was talking to Bill Lumberg, man. He goes, yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some budget issues. Uh, we've got to hire some stringers for football season. This conversation was in June. I think it was in June. Yeah, it was in June. Football season is in two months. Stringers, by the way, if you guys don't know what the, the, the lingo means, it means somebody that you literally are paying like $50 to go out and cover uh, two small rural Iowa high schools playing a football game and and send in a 300-word story about it. Is that, is that a fair characterization? Yes. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Okay. And what this... I mean, it's such a terrible story because if it is true, what it says about the awful economic state yeah. of your newspaper... Yes. And 
your management acumen that you did not see this coming? I like- gave them three days to come up with a better lie than this. <laughs> come, come on, man. Help me help you. Work with me, people. Work with me. All right. I, I felt like I had to tell him what lies to tell me. And, and he's like, well, we got, we got to hire these uh, football stringers. And uh, we just don't have the budget for another columnist right now. Because, you know, I'm sure that they absolutely, this shocked them and didn't dawn on them until after they put me on the front page that I was hired, that they didn't have the budget to hire me. I'm, I'm sure. It, listen, can happen to anybody, right? Right. What came next, though, I can promise you he did not anticipate. Because I have, I have a bit of a reputation. Some of it is earned. Some of it's not. I really haven't lost it on too many people. Because to me, if, you have to, if you're losing it on everybody, that's a lack of self-control on your part, right? We saw Fonzie, I think, fight one time, right? And that's, all, that's all I require. You knew what it meant when he, asked you into the, when he asked you into the men's room. You knew what was going down. That's why he didn't want to go in there. So I, you, I haven't, you, haven't, you guys haven't really seen me lose it on too many people, have you? Mm, not really. I don't have to. I've got a reputation. I did it early on. I let it be known right away. Don't F with me. Or I will make you wish your dad wore a condom that night. Set that precedent right away. And it's amazing. You'll, people will just revert to talking about you behind your back because they know better than to say anything to your face. So I think he anticipated I was going to disembowel him. See, since I actually thought through this conversation, unlike him, I did something much worse to him. I was kind. I was patient. I was flat out chummy. And I said, well, you know, by golly, I even used that voice. By golly, I understand. I mean, this is a tough media environment. There's so many layoffs and everything going on right now. But you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm sensitive to your budgetary needs, but I'm also sensitive to your reputation as a paper. I mean, I used to work there. You guys gave me my start. I wouldn't be where I'm at without the Des Moines Register, which is true. I would not be where I'm at. They gave me my start in media. And I, I don't want to see you guys take a hit to your reputation. So I'll tell you what. I will write the column for free f- for 30 days. We'll make it a weekly column four times for the next 30 days, for the next month. I'll write it for free. Cost you nothing out of pocket. If it gains traction and traffic for you, then we can discuss compensation. If not, then you can just throw me under the bus and say it didn't work. It's not what our readers want. Because I don't want you guys to be accused. At a time you're trying to win back so many conservative readers you guys have lost in recent years. I really don't want you guys to go out there and be accused of baiting and switching people. And you know, I mean, especially when it's just something as innocent as a budget issue. So I'll write it for nothing. We'll do it like a trial period. And if it gains traction and traffic, then we can figure out what it's worth. If not, you guys can just throw me under the bus. And that way you get to save face. This is what I told them. Bill Lumberg is now speechless. Hmm. Did not anticipate that answer. And after a William Shatner-like pregnant pause, says to me, um, I don't think it's legal 
don't think it's legal for you to write for us for nothing. That's what he said to me. I don't think it's legal. And I'm like, well, here, here's actually how that works. Our memo of understanding that we both signed, I was reminding him that we actually had something signed in writing. Our memo of understanding that we both signed, uh, doesn't, I'm not your employee. So this doesn't run afoul of any labor laws or labor practices. I'm actually an independent vendor. You are a distributor looking to obtain my vending. So since this is my intellectual property and not yours, I get to decide what it's worth. And then you decide if you want to pay for it or not at that value, at that price point. Because I'm not on your payroll. And I'm telling you right now, my writing is worth nothing. <laughs> I'm, my writing is worth nothing because I don't want you guys to have a stain on your reputation. I don't want you to lose face like this. So I will give it to you for nothing. You run four columns. And then even, then, even, if, even if it gains traction and you don't want me around, you can get rid of me. Another one of those pregnant pauses. Finally, he says, well, I'll, I'll have to get back to my superiors and let you know what they say. I said, you do that. And that was the last conversation we ever had. They never ran a word. Not that I could, you were, you were working there. Did they ever say anything? I don't remember them ever saying anything publicly about what happened to this. They just pretended it didn't happen. Yeah, you, we've heard of the media doing fake news. This is imaginary news. They just, they just went, no news is Gary Ganews. They, they, they went imagine dragons on their own front page. We hired this guy. We never, that never ran. What are you talking about? Don't know what you're talking about. Now, there's, a, there's, a, there's an epilogue here. I'm hesitant to share it with you, but what the hell I'm going to. Because I'm at that stage now. I don't care anymore, whoa. I don't care. If you guys thought I was blunt before, I'm spilling my guts every day now. That's just pretty much where I'm at. I just don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to hold anything back. Some of you may be wondering why you're just now hearing about this. We've got a memo of understanding. In fact, I wrote, I wrote about this story for Conservative Review today. I wrote about it. And I went back into my personal files and I found the column I submitted. I put an excerpt of it in my column that's in Conservative Review today. And I found our memo of understanding signed, sealed, and delivered, a legal document. Some of you may be wondering why I didn't go after them. Here's why. Remember I told you what the reputation of the paper was? Remember I mentioned that? Even in their own industry? I'm well aware. I just mentioned that a few minutes ago. Well, the reason I decided to not raise a big stink about this is because a few days later, the deputy op-ed page editor at USA Today called me. I had worked with him at the Washington Times where I was a columnist at that time. He was there right when I was brought in and then he moved over to USA Today. And he said, hey, I heard about what happened here. What a blanking joke. How unprofessional can you get? I'm going to have you write for us instead. 
so there was really no reason to raise a stink. Really hard to argue that I was defamed in some way or mistreated in some way when I when out of when out of their malfeasance, I ended up getting a far bigger platform with USA Today than the Des Moines Register could ever provide me. And that's how I got to writing for USA Today. That's why you've never heard this story before. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm tying it into the Kevin Williamson saga because it's exactly what I went through. He at least got a public acknowledgement that they weren't going to run it. So this is not anything new. But in the end, I look at it this way. I got a better deal out of it. I get, I get to write for a lot bigger platform, which is in their own parent company. And now that I told you the story publicly, they may yank that from me too, but you know what? I'm okay with it. Because I've been dying to tell that story for six years. And I've had enough I've had enough bylines now, so if I don't get any more, I'll live with it. I think I think we I think every now and then you and the audience need to hear when the good guys win one. That's why I wanted to share that with you. Your thoughts, Todd. Well, you know, it's it's a story I know well because I was I heard all sides of it as it was going on. I heard your side of it. I heard uh, the uh, opinion page editor's side of it, who is, while a classic Democrat, classic liberal, a, a good and and decent man, and his frustration with this, it was it was taken from him, uh, and he would never tell. He put a name on it, but yet just. Once the news got on the eve, they, they a bunch of people applied pressure and said over my dead body, uh, and it was even and even with the reputation of uh, the opinion page editors, who um, is somebody who had been at the register for a long time and somebody would listen to, but no, it it uh, it interrupted the religion, the faith of the paper. You are not allowed. To have a conservative opinion, and I think it's fascinating. I hear the two of I sit because the last two attempts to hire a uh, conservative uh, to write columns there have uh, ultimately resulted in you and I sitting here and having this conversation. <laughs> because not long after that, the same editor asked me write five columns. Uh, have them to me in two weeks and we're going to talk about making you the conservative columnist i wrote those columns i read them by the way they were very good well i i sent them to you and it it wasn't long after that you hired me because i wasn't getting i wasn't hearing anything back little did i know at the time that this was uh he asked me to do that right before they got the the command to uh have people apply reapply for their job which was just a way to get rid of people and that's when they finally uh, got me, but they, the same process was used. This is my long way of saying they, no one ever told me that you know we we got to stop. They were just going to pretend it didn't happen again. And so I'm finally sitting there, you know, wondering if uh, I've lost a little on my fastball or something. So iron sharpens iron. I say, Steve, just just be honest with me. Read these things. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, not only did you like them, but ultimately. This job was waiting here for me. I mean, serendipitously uh, afterwards. There are some good and decent people like the man we're talking about at the Des Moines Register who are of the left. But they don't have a shot either at having an honest conversation. They they just don't. Those leftists and or 
you know those i don't know what's the term you want the kind of republicans you dealt with at who radio too who are 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 republicans but certainly aren't conservatives and anytime you ripped on their i.e i mean it might have been them again coming after you because you went after brand but what does it tell you that leftists, newsroom leftists... That's my point. ...are doing... If that's if that was the case, that because the, the, the former governor of our state, who's now the ambassador of China, tried, tried to get me fired from my job on the radio. Dude hates my guts. And I'm okay with it, because I've earned his hatred, and I'm very proud of it, and I've prayed about it, and I feel real good about where I'm at right now with it, in fact. But... Uh, so I'm not a victim. He should be trying to get me fired. I was freaking crushing him daily. All right? I get it. What, what does it say, though, if that was the reason they did this to me? What does it say that a bunch of leftists at the newspaper are doing the bidding yeah. of corporatist Republicans? <laughs> to me, that is worse. That's worse than just flat-out ideological bias because now you're talking about systemic duopoly kind of stuff now. Now, you want, now you're getting into real Overton window stuff now mm-hmm. where elites on both sides are determining what will be allowed to be said, who will be allowed to be criticized. At least when one side is extremely hypocritical and biased, you can, you can fight a revolution against that. But when both sides get together systemically and decide, you know, we're just going to act like an oligarchy here and put our foot on the, our thumb on the scale and our boot to the throat of any of you plebes that would dare, dare defy us well that's where there's no more room at the end for free thought then absolutely and so it's a uh it's a remarkable look for conservatives like us we we talked about it uh, on the television show about uh, twitter but about uh uh the media conversation in general uh we are being attacked on um, uh, multiple fronts and, and we need to be wise as serpents as far as that is is concerned it, it is it is simply uh too easy to blame uh, one front because while we're doing that uh our attention is taken away and we're being shanked uh on the other side it is both corporatist republicans it is liberals they they look at each other and as much as they do this pantomime shadow boxing i mean there's always an editorial about terry branstead and how much he hates the poor or something like that but but these two are propping each other's Mm -hmm. worldviews up Mm -hmm. at the end of the day next headline aaron yeah over the weekend bashar al-assad and that regime in syria Attacked a uh, attacked a town in, t- in Syria, Duma, with uh, chemical weapons. What are believed to be chemical weapons? Again, sarin gas. Uh, at least forty-two people died. Five hundred were injured on, late on Saturday. Many of them sheltering in basements during that artillery and bombing attack. It was the worst attack since uh, April fourth of twenty seventeen. That one killed eighty-six people. In another village, the United States uh, launched 59 cruise missiles towards a Syrian airbase just a couple days later. Uh, it's not uh, believed yet uh, that the United States has uh, launched a retaliatory, retaliatory attack, although Israel is being blamed for a counterstrike. The first time we intervened in the Middle East directly was the first Gulf War. One of our key allies in that conflict was Qatar. They are now considered an ally with Al Jazeera and a direct link 
as a propaganda ministry of Islamic radicalism. Since the 80s, we've been helping to arm the Saudis, mainly as a check on the hegemony of the Iranians, because the Saudis and the Iranians don't like each other, don't trust each other. There's a long-standing historical dispute there. The Iranians are Persians, Saudi Arabia, obviously, Arabians, who's the true followers of Muhammad, etc. Saudi Arabia also exported to us, was it all but two of the 9-11 hijackers, or was it all of them? I know it was most of them, at least. And then last year, when Saudi Arabia attempted to follow up on President Trump's May speech in their country, calling on Muslim countries to police their own religion, when they attempted to lean on Qatar for giving voice to radicalization, the president's own State Department, led by his former Secretary of State, actually stepped in and sided with Qatar instead. Iran has been the chief exporter of, of terrorism in this world since the late 1970s, them and the PLO. Which, by the way, the PLO, we gave them their own nation state. This was the two-state solution. We gave the PLO their own country. We rewarded them for their terrorism. That was Jim Baker and the Bush's uh, big foreign policy idea. Reward, reward terrorists, give them their own nation state, and put them right there on the doorstep of Israel while you're at it. Well, the other big um, exporter of global jihad is Iran. We were friendly with Iraq versus Iran in the Iran-Iraq war in the 70s and 80s. We then went to war against Iraq when it attempted to initiate hegemony in the Middle East via Kuwait. We then went to war with Iraq again for their harbage, for their um, Harbaging of, of chemical weapons, weapons of mass destruction, their role in promoting state-sponsored terror. That country is now a satellite nation of Iran who was the original exporter of terrorism. In 2013, we were going to go to war with regime change in Syria because Assad had violated Obama's red line. Within a year, all of that talk ceased. Why? Because of the emergence of ISIS, ISIL, Islamic State, which came out of Syria. An offshoot of Al-Qaeda. People who didn't think Al-Qaeda was radical enough, was bloodthirsty enough, was violent enough, was extreme enough. And now we decided we needed Assad to help us stop ISIS from rebuilding the caliphate in the Middle East. And we were also now fighting alongside the Iranians to push back Islamic State, the very decades-long exporter of terrorism that we bribed them with their own money to stop letting the Russians help them enrich uranium, plutonium, and build nuclear weapons. We then took Turkey... And put them in NATO. And their leader is just a flat out advocate of the caliphate. But they're now our ally. Even though they're therefore reestablishing an Islamic caliphate. They're in NATO. Then we decided Assad was a bad guy again when we thought we had Islamic State under control. 
So now we're thinking maybe we need to do something there again because of the wicked evil that, that he is said to have perpetuated, which I have no doubt that he did because his father was a fiend as well. Then there's, this, then there's this group of people called the Kurds that have actually been on our side of every major Middle Eastern conflict since the first Gulf War. And yet, we don't let them establish their own nation because we don't want to upset the Turks who we let into NATO despite the fact they want to rebuild the Islamic Caliphate. Are you confused yet? Are you confused yet, Todd? Utterly. Aaron, how about you? Able to follow everything I just told you? My brain is a potato. Everything I just told you is all true. All facts. Everything we've done. Actually, I understand it completely now because it's what we do. So I I get it. I haven't even mentioned we were on the wrong side of the Arab Spring in Egypt. We supported toppling Mubarak to let the Islamists take over the country. And then, and then I wish I could tell you it was just Obama, but actually McCain and Lindsey Graham sided with Obama against al-Sisi and the people's uprising against the Islamic Caliphate in Egypt. Here's what I think we need to do. I'm not brilliant. Let's try the one thing we haven't done yet. Let's try endless war in Muslim lands. Can I get a second? Let's try that. Yin? Oh, wait, we have tried that. We have literally fought with and against all these countries. Stop and think about that. In the last five years, we've thought about toppling Assad. Uh, we've, we've assisted Assad. And now he's a fiend again. When will we ever learn? Well, Steve, we have to do something about Assad. We heard that five years ago, and we left him in there. Why? Because we deduced what might come after him is even worse. Like everybody else with a heart and a soul. Your heart breaks when you see the visuals of what he's doing to his people. There are numerous types of fiends and genocides all over the world. Up and down the continent of Africa, this happens all the time. No one's saying, you know, I really think we need to bomb Niger. I think we need to, I think we need to, I I think we've got to put the Green Berets on the ground in Darfur. What are we doing? I want to win. I want to vanquish as much evil as we can. But over the course of the last three decades, this has been the end result. I'm just going to keep it real with you, man. I told you earlier, it's not that I necessarily held back before but now I'm, I, we're going to the dark web now. I'm just going to tell you the stuff I'm not supposed to. I don't care anymore. I'm Team America. I want Team America to win. Well, after a generation of intervention in the Middle East, here's what we've done. We have helped to heavily arm the nation that exported almost every single 9-11 hijacker. Iran is stronger now 
than it was after the overthrow of the Shah. And we can't make up our mind whether to keep the father of a fiend who's, or the son of a fiend who's burning in hell as we speak, I'm sure. We've brought him to Washington. Google Assad at dinner with John Kerry. You'll see Assad at dinner in Washington with our politicians. To quote the great prophet Vince Lombardi in one of my favorite clips ever from NFL films. What the hell is going on out there? Do you have an answer? In fact, can, can other people even ask these questions before we commit more troops, more lives, more resources? What is our goal? What is a win? What is it? We haven't had a win in that region yet. Well, Steve, look at Afghanistan. You're right. We're on our sixth reboot of making Mosul great again. Not a single non-Islamist place of worship is open anywhere in Afghanistan today. There was more religious freedom when the Taliban had more majority control of the country than today. Think about that. What is a win? What is the goal? Do we know what we're fighting? Who we're fighting with? What we're even fighting for? When did we wake up and when, when there wasn't a direct threat to national security? Did we just all decide that presidents can just bomb whoever they want unilaterally, like they're a king? When did that go down? Do you know when that happened? No. This ain't, this ain't saving American citizens in Grenada. So what are we doing this for? This isn't even bombing Gaddafi in the middle of the night. He killed Americans at a French discotheque. We're just now, we're, we're team, we've gone, we're team America now, world police. We just decide when to act and when not to? With no, something must be done. What the hell are we doing? That's what I want to know. And I want to know why more people aren't asking these questions. Final thoughts, Todd and Aaron. The only thing I know for sure is that this continued saga that goes all the we can go back to talk about the crusades in the same light this conversation these stories all it definitively does for me is help me make sense of uh one of the books of the bible that many point to and say oh i wouldn't believe in a god who i'm talking about the book of joshua Wipe them out, yes, the women, the children, wipe them out. I speak only for myself here if anyone in terms of, but God knows our hearts. And he's, that's simply, the, I, I don't even know that that's necessarily needs to be interpreted as a uh, a command of justice to wipe them out. It, it, it's simply a, his recognition of the reality of our utter brokenness that will never be healed in this part of of the land they hate their maker and they have fashioned one of the largest idols in the history of this land to take his place there's never going to be any peace through that ever ever and so the book of uh 
Joshua is simply a recognition of that and that these people cannot walk, talk, live, breathe in any way that resembles long-term peace. God is simply saying, look at that. It's an utter mess, and it can't be otherwise. Yeah, uh, it's... We see those pictures and uh, and the infamous words, well, somebody's got to do something about it, uh, echo. And it's, it's, not, it's not even like we're fishing for a specific answer here to this. Uh, do we know what to do over there? No, but we're sure as heck not, never going to find an answer if nobody's going to ask questions and actually ha- and think about it and think it through a little bit. Maybe the solution is just every five years bombing the crap out of various countries. Maybe the solution is just letting things just letting things go and doing your best to make sure you're filtering who comes in. Um, maybe it's maybe it's some combination of that. Uh, but the problem is is that a I think too many people ascribe to the government what's the pers- what's their own personal uh, responsibility um, as Christians. I'm talking about Christians here uh, specifically ascribe to the government their own personal responsibility, and thus they they think that their their job uh, loving kindness is means that we need to start democracies in the Middle East. And the other part of this is. Um, we just have a lot of people who have no freaking clue what they're doing. Have no freaking clue about anything other than the status quo. This is the way it's been my entire life in the Middle East. This is the way for, largely it's been for even longer than I've been alive in the Middle East. That's just the way it is. And so I think what we see over and over and over again is failed efforts to maintain the status quo. And the status quo gets a lot of innocent people killed. Well said, both of you. Final quick thought. In his tweet, and and of course now, now the same people who have complained that the president didn't directly criticize Putin enough are now going to tell us that this is, of course, uh, reckless warmongering. So get ready for that. Okay, sure. so in his, in his tweet today, pointing out the culpability of Putin and Iran... Uh, in in serious in Assad's heinous act, I want you to keep this in mind. Uh-oh. Yes, Siri, I'm talking to you too. Keep this in mind. The president of the United States today implicated Iran last year when thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, maybe it was even earlier this year, were taking to the streets in Tehran to attempt to gin up the energy to overthrow the shackles of radical fundamentalist Islam as their ruler. Our our president and our body politic did nothing. We did nothing to help those people. Our media almost did a total blackout of the story. Everything you learned about what was going on in Iran was being shared largely by conservative Twitter that was sharing from natives in the country what was going on there. So on one hand, you wanted me to, you want, you're asking me to say that 
we can, we're just going to give unilateral power to bomb anybody for any reason, anytime he wants, to a president. But on the other hand, I'm not supposed to question why we didn't go out of our way to foment dissent within a country that we're now accusing of enabling the very act we feel like we have to retaliate against? Does that make any sense to you at all? No. No. None of this makes any sense. It is time for the American people to start demanding answers. Because we're not going to get them voluntarily. We're going to have to demand them. Whatever we've been trying to do there for the last generation has failed miserably. And before we figure out what to do next, we need to find out why what we previously tried failed. Otherwise, how do we know what to do next? Why do coaches watch film from a game to see the mistakes they made so they know what changes they need to make the next time or what mistakes you make so they know what things to try to exploit? This president has given a lot of rhetoric about America first. Indeed. America first. Tell America what the hell are we doing? And who are we doing it with? And what are we doing it for? Let's try that. Because this, this random hashtag, something must be done. We just do perpetual urban, urban renewal for Muhammad's, for Muhammad's descendants. Ain't working, guys. Didn't we just drop a Moab on these guys a few months ago? Didn't we just drop a Moab on them the last time we did this? Yeah. Yeah. Right back again. Well, we'll drop three. Evil doesn't care. Well, then Assad needs to go. Replaced by what? Replaced by what? Because, you know, it's worked so well in Afghanistan and Iraq. Replaced by what? Iran probably, at that point, Iran would agree. You know, you're right. Assad's probably outside of the bounds. We got a great suggestion of who you should put in there instead. It's time to start asking some critical questions. And it doesn't mean you're not a patriot. It means you're not a lemming. Thanks for tuning in here today on the podcast. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And we always love to know what you think about what we think. CRTV.com, promo code Dace will get you access to our television show today. I'll be back again on Thursday. Todd and Aaron are holding down the fort the next two days. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.